Okay, hey everybody, man, I'm so glad we're together today on all of our campuses. Uh, I know we have a lot of people watching on the live stream today, and man, I want to just let you know we're glad to have you as well. Uh, I'm sure we also have lots of folks with us today who usually wor worship with us on Wednesdays. Man, we love you guys. We're glad you're with us. Uh, as you may know, we had to cancel our Wednesday night service because of a mandatory evacuation for Hurricane Dorian. Man, we hate to cancel services for anything. Uh, but we also want to help our community, and, and we felt like playing ball with the government leaders was important, uh, so we made that call on Labor Day afternoon. However, I want to say with all the love in my heart, thank you to everybody who comes on Wednesday night, and thank you for not coming on Sunday morning. Uh, I don't know if you realize this or not, but we have 1,500 people across all of our campuses who worship with us on Wednesday night. And that helps us in amazing ways. I mean, right here at Henderson, 30% of the people who worship here come on Wednesday night. Now, can you imagine how packed we would be at all of our campuses if all of those worshipers did not choose to serve us all by coming to the first service of our weekend, which is on Wednesday night? Hey, let's just thank God for everybody who worships on Wednesday, and let's pray their tribe will increase. Amen? Come on, everybody. Yeah. There we go. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I also want us to stop right now and just thank God for answering our prayers for Hurricane Dorian to stay out to sea when it came by Savannah. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's pray right now. Father, we just want to thank you. Lord, we prayed that people would be spared from the damage that Dorian could create. And Lord, all up and down uh, the coast uh, south of us, Lord, many of us have experienced an answer to that prayer and we're just grateful, grateful, grateful. We know, Lord, that people in North Carolina are having to deal with that right now. We know, Lord, that terrible devastation took place down in the Bahamas. And, Lord, we're going to do our part to help. But we just want you to know that we thank you for, Lord, answering our prayers and sparing us that damage. And we thank you in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. Okay. Now, friends, God blessed us. Uh, but let me tell you, many people did get slammed by that storm. And if you want to help... Uh, I want to encourage you to go to CompassionGo.com. Uh, man, we'll keep you updated on all our plans to help uh, as we go forward uh, just to be the compassion of Jesus to people who got hit. But this weekend, we finished up a series of messages that we're calling All In. And I just want to thank every one of you who has gotten All In uh, over the last three weeks. Man, we ask everybody to renew your commitment to being a part of our church family by filling out a membership card or at least telling us you're not ready to be a member right now. Now, there are cards at Connecting Point on every campus if you missed out, but I just want to say thank you to the thousands of Compassion Christians who made this small effort that will enable us to take better care of everybody in our church family. Uh, we also ask you to let us know where you connected in one of our groups. Now, friends, group connection is vital to discipleship. Now, you know, discipleship is relationally learning to think and live and love just like Jesus and you being discipled is vital to your spiritual life. Our goal is to get every compassion Christian into a group because Jesus believed that spiritual growth ha happens best in groups, which is why he was in one. And if you're not in one, I'm telling you, you are missing the best part of our church. We also ask you to let us know where you are serving. Friends, we are so committed to discipling everybody that we lead to Jesus and friends, discipleship happens primarily through relationships that include Bible study and service. You are not discipled until you are serving. You cannot 
grow spiritually unless you are willing to serve because if you're not serving, you're not like Jesus. Now, there were a couple groups in the New Testament called Pharisees and Sadducees who are great examples of people who were bloated with Bible knowledge who did not have the humility to serve. Friends, there is no discipleship apart from serving. So last week, we gave you an opportunity to get in the game uh, so that you will continue to grow as a disciple. And I'm praying that many, many, many of you did. And man, if you didn't, all you got to do is go to Growth Track on all of our campuses today. Uh, and man, you can get started with that. Now, Growth Track is how we move everybody who comes to our church from the seat to growing discipleship, which means becoming like Jesus. And if you're brand new and you want to know how to get all in, man, Growth Track is your next step. Now, for the last three weeks, we've been talking about four values that just mark everybody in our church who's all in, and these are the first steps that every disciple takes when they choose to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to put them up on the screen here. Man, let's, uh, let's just say these all together like lions. Come on, big boys. Now, number one, we reach our one. Number two, we grow together. Number three, we make a difference. And number four, man, we join the team. Now listen, when the church is working right, at the very minimum, this is what it looks like. We are evangelistically compelled, just like Jesus was. We are growing together in groups. That's how Jesus did it. That's how we do it. We are making a difference through service. Jesus said he did not come to be served, but to serve. And if you're not serving, you're not becoming like Jesus. And all together, man, we work as a team to change our world just like Jesus did. And that happens best when we all get all in. Now, friends, the reason you love this church so much is that so many people in our church are just all in. And if you're new here today and you're thinking, Camp, I've never even been to a church that looks like that. I will be the first to admit that the church doesn't always work right. Uh, our mission is really important and it's really difficult and it's really easy to drift off mission. And man, I heard a great illustration of how that happens many years ago. Uh, there was a church who had four very unusual members with very unusual names. Their names were everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Uh, and one day, there was a really important job that needed to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it, and anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. And when nobody did it, everybody got mad because it was anybody's job. And everybody thought somebody would do it, but nobody did it. So consequently, everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. You ever been in a church like that? You ever been in a family like that? Job like that? Team like that? Of course you have. And let me tell you, that'd be a lot funnier if there wasn't so much truth to it, right? But friends, there is an antidote to that kind of church dysfunction. And that is when every follower of Jesus gets on his team. And man, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, hey, you watching and asking your questions and even probing around a little bit to see if this thing is real or not, Bro, that is perfectly acceptable. But the Apostle Paul, you know, who was a Jesus hater until he met Jesus and, and then went 180 degrees in the other direction, he wrote to a church in Corinth that was a little bit off mission. And he described what a healthy church family looks like when everybody gets on the team. So let's take a look at what he had to say. Turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Everybody got your Bible? Good, good, good. 1 Corinthians 12. This is on page 959. If you want to use the blue Bible, we provide for you on all of our worship, service, worship centers. And we're going to start unpacking chapter 12 in verse 4. Now, friends, let me ask you to do something that I know I probably don't even need to ask. Will you take this message into your heart today? Man, don't listen to this for somebody else. I'm talking to you. 
Don't, don't think they need it or my wife needs it or my husband needs it or my friend needs it. You listen for you today, okay? You know, Jesus said anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And if you're listening today and you know in your heart that your, your heart is being reshaped by your relationship with Jesus, and man, your life is spiritually fruitful because you have chosen to serve Jesus and your emotions are stabilized and you are at peace because you trust Jesus, then friends, that's because you've already locked into what Paul's going to teach us today. And, and so this message will be a great review for you. But listen, if you are not becoming more like Jesus, and there's very little spiritual fruit in your life, and, and you don't live with peace every day, it's because you still need to get all in. Man, you need to get on his team. So listen and understand, and let the Holy Spirit guide you to his dream for your life today. Now, Paul's going to give us three action steps in this passage that we can all take to get on the team. And we'll start reading in verse 4. Here we go. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Man, God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Now, the first step that Paul is going to recommend to all of us today who want to get all in is to embrace your giftedness. Now, I want you to look at this growing sense of stability and empowerment that Paul describes for us in this passage. Keep this passage open and keep your eyes on it. The first thing that happens, he says, is that followers of Jesus receive the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, you received the Holy Spirit. The second step, the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to everybody that he resides in. And then the third step is when those spiritual gifts are activated through service. And then, man, God starts working through you in special ways because you use your gift to serve. Now, friends, this is what your life will look like when you get all in. It starts small. The easiest, smallest thing you will do is give your life to Jesus and receive the forgiveness of your sins and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That is the disciples' first baby step. But then somebody teaches you, or, or you read for yourself, and, or, or you notice that, man, when you serve in certain ways, something just lights up inside you. And then you see the impact of that. And you are amazed when you realize that God is working through you when you use this gift. And the world is getting better because you do. Now, friends, that's how spiritual gifts work in the life of followers of Jesus when we embrace our gifts. Now, a spiritual gift is a divine empowerment that makes every follower of Jesus unusually effective at something that is vitally important that you will love to do. And there are three places where those spiritual gifts are listed in the New Testament. One is in Romans chapter 12, which we studied last week, then 1 Corinthians 12, and then Ephesians chapter 4. Now, if you just read through those lists, or you serve in certain ways, and, and some of those abilities just jump out at you, man, it's because you have that gift. <laughs> it's like a spiritual superpower, man, because you can go in a situation where other people are serving with you, and they're thinking, man, this is tough. How long are we going to have to do this? But you love it. And you could just go on and on and on because you're using your gift and it's, you're in your sweet spot. Now, let me tell you who I thank God for. I thank God for people who are willing to serve outside of their giftedness just because there's a need. Man, we got a church full of people who are willing to serve wherever the need is, whether it's their gift or not. And friends, right there is why you love this church so much. I'm telling you, every week people step up 
and they just say, I don't care what my gift is. I don't even care what I want to do or love to do. You just tell me where the greatest need is and I will gladly help. And friends, that's why people move from Sunday morning to Wednesday night. There's a need for more seats on Sunday morning for new folks. And they know that when our worship centers get 80% full, it's hard for a family to find a place to sit together or a group of friends to, to be able to sit together or park their car. And so they just don't come back. They go to Cracker Barrel. And then God knows where they go when they die after that. So friends, hundreds of compassion Christians serve every week by coming on Wednesday night. Thank God they do. Listen, this is why last Tuesday night there were people at our Statesboro campus putting out mattresses and serving dinner to people who came to that campus for refuge from the storm during the evacuation. Now, they don't have the gift for serving tacos, but there was a need, and they heard about it, and they stepped up. But you know what? The truth is some of them might have a gift for serving tacos or organizing or leading or showing hospitality or showing mercy. And so they jumped into that opportunity because they love it. And they got friends there who are just getting the job done, but they're doing exactly the same thing and having a ball because their gift is in play. Now, friends, that gift makes their heart beat fast because this is the way God wired them up. Man, the psalmist wrote about this in Psalm 139. He says, Lord, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's going to be a good day when you realize that your God made you on purpose for a purpose. Friends, God made you as a masterpiece. You are an original. You are the only one who can be you and get it right. And friends, that's how he wired you up. So when you get all in and you embrace this truth that you've been created in his image, on purpose, for a purpose, and you start leveraging these special gifts that he has entrusted to you, I'm telling you, man, your spiritual life is going to a new place. Now, we used this verse last week to just try to get our head around this. Peter said in 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts Use them well to serve one another. So when you use the gift that God has entrusted to you, number one, you become an agent of his grace in this world. And you faithfully administer a gift that he has entrusted to you when you serve. And you use that service to start shoveling hope and encouragement to people sometimes who need it the most. And you become a living representative of God's grace to other people. Now, friends, this is what discipleship looks like. You hear the gospel. And you choose to be a follower of Jesus. And then the more you study, the more you become like Jesus. And his word compels you to do what Jesus did. And friends, I'm telling you, this piece right here in the middle, that right there is that extraordinary life. That right there is where you're all in. That's when you start living the life you've always wanted. Now, friends, how gifted service emerges in your life is only limited by your courage and your creativity. So if you want to get all in, I want to encourage you to embrace that giftedness. Figure out how the Holy Spirit has empowered you and then throw your heart in the ring. And listen, man, if you're ready to get going, growth track next week, get started. We'll help you, get, we'll help you on the way. Now, Paul goes on in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 to talk about a second action step that, that'll get you all in, and that is when you discover your role. Now, look at verse 11. Paul says, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person, should, each person should have. Now, if the Holy Spirit decided to give you a specific gift, 
Friends, it's because he has a specific role that he expects you to play in this church and in this world. And this is so important, man. In the New Testament, we find the church described by a, a number of different analogies. Uh, in one analogy, the people of the church are referred to as a building in 1 Peter 2, 5. Now, I'm not talking about church buildings, all right? The church is the people. If this building were destroyed, our church wouldn't be affected at all unless we were inside it, all right? But Paul said, in, uh, excuse me, Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house where you will be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, I love the old story about the uh, army that was approaching ancient Sparta, and they sent an emissary in to demand that they surrender, and of course the Spartans refused. And the emissary said, you can't defend yourself against us. Your city has no walls. And the king of Sparta pointed to the army and said, these are the walls of Sparta. And in the very same way, every believer is a stone in the wall of the spiritual building that God is building on earth. I love that image. Every one of us, a stone in the wall of the temple where people are going to come and find God. But then there's another analogy that Paul uses here in 1 Corinthians 12, where he describes the church as a body. Look at verse 12. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Now skip down to verse 15. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not, a ear, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. I mean, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? I mean, what's he saying? Every different part has a vital role it's supposed to play. In fact, but in fact, Paul says, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts that make up one body. Now, friends, this is a brilliant analogy for how the church works when it's actually working right and everybody's in. But can I just tell you, it's actually more than that. Man, when Paul chose to compare the church to a human body, he is tying into something that would resonate with everybody in Corinth. And I, I'm telling you, this passage is very similar to our At The Movies series. Now, sometimes people ask me, Cam, why are we doing At The Movies? Why are we bringing Hollywood into the church for part of our message? You know what the answer is? Because Jesus did that back in his day. He used widely understood cultural stories that would resonate with people to set up the preaching of the gospel. And Paul is doing it right here. Now, you may know that Sarah and I lead a pilgrimage to the Holy Land every other year. Uh, and I call it a pilgrimage because it's not a tourist trip. Uh, we're not going there to take pictures and buy souvenirs. We're going to study God's word, where it was written, and grow spiritually in the process. Now, we also take a lot of pictures and buy souvenirs. But that's not the purpose of the trip. And can I just tell you, we've taken hundreds of compassion Christians on these trips. Every one of them will tell you it was spiritually life-changing. We've also taken Compassion Christians on a pilgrimage to retrace the missionary journeys of Paul meant as the church spread from Israel all the way across the Roman Empire. And next fall, we're going to take a group of people from our church to the city of Corinth, the recipients of this letter. Now, friends, if you study the sociology of ancient Corinth, you'll learn that the reason Paul uses the body as an analogy is because that culture was obsessed with the human body. They were sexually obsessed. 
And they were super promiscuous. Uh, man, they had at one time a, a temple to the ancient goddess Aphrodite. There were a thousand female temple prostitutes that worked there. Now you talk about a man-made false religion that was made for men. <laughs> the worship of Aphrodite, that's what it was all about. But there was also a temple in Corinth to uh, Asclepius. Now Asclepius was a false god of healing. And here's what people would do. They would go to shops and make a, a cast of whatever the body part was that needed healing, whether it was an arm or a foot or a hand or an ear or a nose or whatever. And then they would pay to have that casting hung in the temple of Asclepius uh, and then pray that, 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 that God would heal them. Now, you can Google this and you can see some of these you know, excavated uh, clay body parts. Now, because that culture was so fixated on the body, Paul's thinking, look, I'm going to give you a positive example of what a holy body actually looks like when it's working right, and that it would be the church under the headship of Jesus. Man, the church is a healthy body with many different but equally valuable parts. The church is a body that's interconnected and empathetic. I mean, bro, if my toe, uh, if I stub my toe, my head hurts, right? Consequently, the only way the church can work right it's when we are all in and the body is responding to the head as God intended with every individual part fulfilling its role. And that's why we've been encouraging everybody, 100% of, of our Compassion Christians to just say, yes, I'm a part of this body, bro, count on me. And yes, I'm in a group. My part of the body is getting wiser in the word and healthier. And yes, I'm using my gift to serve. My part of the body is making a difference. Now, if you haven't made that declaration yet, you can still do it today. Go to Connecting Point on any of our campuses or just start Growth Track the first week of any month and you can get all of your questions answered and, dude, you'll start moving forward. Now, when you use your gifts to fulfill your role, you're going to encourage other people to use their gifts and fulfill their role and the whole body is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, uh, every Sunday... I watch a father-son team serve communion right over here at the Henderson campus. Father and son both serving as section hosts uh, right over here. They may or may not realize that just literally 50 feet behind them is a mother-daughter team that helps every week to prepare communion for the service where they serve communion. And those students, that son and that daughter are pumped up because they get to serve with their parents in fulfilling a vital role for our church. Now, imagine the kind of men and women those students are going to become. Take a look at this picture of my friend Doris. Doris is 97 years old, and she serves at our welcome desk every Wednesday. Now, Doris, don't let her fool you. She's a little sassy, I'm telling you, man. You know, she brings crackers uh, to the welcome desk, and when the pastors walk by, she hands out these crackers so we'll work harder. Y'all, pick it up. Pick it up a little bit. 97 years old. Now, she's been serving at Compassion Christian since the day our church was born, February the 9th, 1964. What's your excuse? Can you imagine the impact our church could have if every part of the body was fulfilling its role? Now, you know, one of the big hills that we're determined to capture in the near future is we want to get every foster child in our region into a Compassion Christian home so they can experience love the love of Jesus, be part of a family instead of you know, the abuse that many of them are dealing with right now. And we talked, talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. And 12 families came forward and said, I've been praying about filling that role. Can you help me get started? And the answer is, yes, we can. Yes, we can. My friend, imagine how God would use you 
if you could just embrace the fact that he has given you gifts that could make a difference and you just say, I'm going to fulfill my role. I've got a gift from the Holy Spirit. I've got a role in God's big plan to extend the kingdom on earth. That's the big picture. And I'm part of it. Okay. None of that's going to start until you embrace your giftedness and discover your role. And then Paul says the third action step is you need to do your part. You need to do your part. Now, I'm not talking about do your part to help our church run on the weekends. Friends, no. Do your part as part of the body of Christ to extend the kingdom of God around the world. Now, I love the way Paul continues this analogy in verse 21. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now, why do you think Paul wrote that? Think maybe he was seeing some of that? You know, some people feeling like, well, my gift is not that important. If I don't use it, nobody will know. Or other people feeling like, man, my gift is the most important of all. If I don't get up front, then nothing's going right. Uh, you know, both, both of those extremes are a little bit off. You know, last spring we had Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins come and speak here. And, man, he did a great job. I'm telling you, we had hundreds of high school and college football players all showed up for our services. And let me tell you what just made my heart uh, uh, Philip, uh, two weeks ago, I was standing right down here and I met one of the quarterbacks that came to that service to hear cut Kirk Cousins. And that guy was down front with his dad talking to somebody about giving his life to Jesus. Anybody want to say praise the Lord? <laughs> praise the Lord, man. But you know, when Kirk was here, he told those players that as a quarterback, he's in a really high profile position. So he naturally got lots of pay and lots of attention. But he knew he could not succeed without the linemen who protect him and the backs who catch the ball from him or the defense that keeps the other team from running the score up on him. And so he said, when the game goes badly, I take the blame, whether it's my fault or not. And when the game goes super well, I give credit to everybody else. And that philosophy <laughs> helped him sign the largest guaranteed contract in the history of the NFL last year. But I thought, you know, that attitude, I take the blame when it goes wrong. I give the credit when it goes right to other people. That sounds a lot like how Paul says the church works. Look at verse 22. Paul says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Now, when you think about the human body, he's talking about your liver, right? You've never seen your liver. Hope you never do get to see it. But if it stops working, bro, you stop working, right? By the way, do you know how many communion cups have to be filled every week for our church family to take the Lord's Supper together. You ever thought about that? How many cups? 10,206 every week. 6,336 here at the Henderson campus alone. And you got to know that there are a team of folks who are all in and they're using their gift of service every week and they serve every one of us every week and get almost no attention. They get no thanks Unless you see one of them rolling a cart around and you stop them and thank them, which I hope you will do. I hope you'll thank the person who hands you your child when the service is over. I hope you'll thank the person who gives you a parking, lot, uh, parking space every week. Because there are people who work kind of behind the scenes. They do vital functions. They fulfill their role. They're doing their part. But they're not in a position to get a lot of thanks. On the other hand, you know, people who stand up on these stages, we're using our gifts. And listen, we just naturally get lots of attention, which is great. But Paul says when everybody's all in, man, we make an extra effort to honor the least visible gifts. 
And using the human body as an analogy for the church, Paul says, man, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts who have less dignity, you know, who get less attention, less appreciation. And he says, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Man, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Dude, that's an awesome team. When one is hurt, you know, we laugh with those who laugh. We mourn with those who mourn, as Jesus said. But the vital piece of this puzzle that Paul is talking about here is unity, harmony. Harmony that comes from seeing every, everybody seeing everybody else as a vital part of the team. And let me tell you, Satan hates this. And Satan will do everything he can to divide us. He'll do anything he can, you know, to make us prideful about our contribution or put down the importance of somebody else's contribution. And again, the, the antidote to all of that pride is to look to Jesus as the head of the church and then choose, like him, to use your gifts to fulfill your role so that you can do your part. Here's the bottom line. Paul concludes this section of the passage in verse 27 when he says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Let's read this all together, y'all. Ready? Here we go. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Every single one of us is a part of it. So, friend, I want to encourage you to get in and do your part. Maybe start by going to CompassionChristianGo.com and look for opportunities to you know, help with hurricane relief or a local mission in, in, in our community. Or maybe you'll take a GO trip in 2020. You're going to be hearing a lot more about that in October. Or maybe just adopt your street and start by collecting the names of everybody on your street. And when you drive out in the morning, you pray for everybody on the right. And when you drive home on the, uh, in the evening, pray for everybody on the other side of the street. Or maybe take a walk up and down your street just once a week Praying for every house. Now, don't go to their mailbox and kneel down and start one hand up, Lord, pray for it. Don't, don't do that. But you just whisper a prayer, man. God bless this family. Open a door for me to be the compassion of Christ to them. And then watch what happens. You know, my neighbor and I have been plotting uh, kind of a monthly neighborhood cookout, you know, just getting our grills out at our cul-de-sac and inviting everybody on the street, come down to the cul-de-sac for hamburgers and dogs and pray that God will use that little cookout just to open some doors for us. Maybe you love kids. Man, look for a way to serve or teach or coach or encourage or partner you know, with, the, with the students in our church. This is a picture of Dave Stewart and his friend, Olavius Howard. And he met Olavius through one of our local missions. Now, Dave has been mentoring this young man for four years. And let me tell you, God has done an amazing job here. Olavius has really helped Dave. Dave is growing, thank God. <laughs> you know, but just, just imagine the impact is happening both ways over the last four years. This picture was taken when Dave took Olavius to the Chatham County Commissioner's meeting. Uh, we'd been asked to pray the opening prayer for the commission meeting, and so Dave took Olavius, and Olavius prayed for the county commission meeting. Now, friends, God is at work in this young man's life, and he's using this old man to have a role in that. Imagine the kind of college student Olavius will be if he stays on this path. Friends, who knows how God will use you if you will embrace your God-given gift and discover your God-given role and do your God-given part. I have a friend who served in elementary ministry for 28 years, and she loves it. I mean, she loves it. She found her role where she could use her gift, and she's doing her part, and she loves it. 
One Sunday she was walking back from worship time with her students and a second grade girl looked at her and said, can I ask you a question? And my friend said, sure. And the little girl said, were you nervous when you went into third grade? <laughs> and my friend started laughing because she can't remember the third grade, all right? But, but, you know, she looked at the little girl and said, well, sure I was. And then my friend said, can I ask you a question? And the little girl said, yes. She said, were you nervous when you went in the second grade? And she said, yes, I was. But you had a good year, didn't you? Yes, ma'am. And you made some new friends, and God was right there with you every step of the way, right? Yes, ma'am. My friend said, can I ask you another question? Were you nervous when you went into the first grade? And the little girl said, yes, I was. But you went to the first grade, and man, God walked with you, and God was there with you, and God helped you make some new friends, and you enjoyed it, didn't you? Yes, ma'am, I did. And my friend said, so here's what I think. I think any time we try anything new, we're going to be a little bit nervous. And what we've learned from what you've gone through over the last couple of years is that when you're nervous and when you're afraid, God will walk beside you and God will be there with you and God will help you make some new friends and God will help you have a good experience because you're brave, right? Now, friends, some of you have never gotten all in because honestly, you're afraid. You're afraid to get started. You're afraid of whatever. You're just a little intimidated by what will happen if you try. And I think that second grade teacher's advice will be helpful for us all. Summon your courage and step up. And here's what will happen. God will walk with you. And you'll probably make some new friends in the process. And you'll, become, you'll begin to enjoy it. And when it's all said and done, you'll make a difference. And you will know God worked through you for his glory. And that's what it's all about. Mother Teresa said it like this. I'm just a small pencil in the almighty hand of God writing a love letter to the world. Friends, let's get all in and let's start writing. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time you've given us to be together. Thank you, Father, for this passage of Scripture and this brilliant analogy, Lord, of how, you know, all the people, all the compassion Christians here all bring a different gift. They all fulfill a different role. They all have a part to play and, Lord, the impact that you want to make on individuals and, and on our cities and on our community and our region and our world. And, Father, we are so blessed that we get to see it. I mean, we see it happening, not just, you know, here, but, but in Africa and in Asia and Eastern Europe and South America and, and all around the world, Lord. Every week we hear stories about the difference you're making because we have found our gift. And, Lord, we have fulfilled our role and we have done our part. And none of us who claim to be doing anything, Lord, except making ourselves available to you. And then, Lord, you work in us and you work through us and you make the difference and we get to be a part of it. So, Father, thank you for calling us all in. And I pray, God, that you will bless us and, Lord, that your glory will increase because of the decisions we make right now. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus, Lord. Amen.